Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. A busy week again. Every week is busy. All kinds of things happening in this country, in this world. Uh, I want to start with a local item, which gives me great pain to share with you. My very dear friend, one of the best people I've met in my life, David Wolkowski, is dead. He died in his sleep Sunday night at the age of 99. I have to smile as I share with you. His death is sad, but that he was 99. I just attended his 99th birthday party three weeks ago. I have been attending his birthday parties for several years. This guy was absolutely amazing. He refused to leave this earth, and his mind was good, and he was getting along, you know, a little tough physically, but he was okay, good shape to sit down and chat with, let me tell you. David was a great man, and I mean that, a great man. There are very few great men in life, and I was fortunate to have met him. I just met him seven years ago. We became friends for the first time. Uh, We were both going to the same place for physiotherapy, and we started talking, and we became, excuse me, I'm going to put it, asshole buddies. We just fell in love with each other, and we were dear friends ever since. Uh, David was born in Key West. Family left because things were tough here, and they moved on to Miami. Uh, David went to the University of Pennsylvania, graduated in the 1950s. He stayed in Philadelphia uh, to make his fortune, and he did make his fortune. David had an eye. He He majored in English, by the way. It has nothing to do with the way he made his fortune. He majored in English. But he had an eye. And he went through Philadelphia's center city, and he saw all these buildings and houses in terrible shape. They were ruined. They were closed, etc. So he started buying them for $100 a piece. And as he bought one, he renovated, and he sold for more money, of course. And to the next one, to the next one. And then he went to Rittenhouse Square. We've all been to Rittenhouse Square. And he started the same system, $100 for the speed-up shack, $100 for that one put a little money in, repair them himself and hiring people. And he is responsible for today's Center City and Rittenhouse Square in Philadelphia. He made a fortune turning over these houses. He returned to Key West. His father died. David was 40 or 42. He retired. He didn't have to work. He made a ton of money reinventing Philadelphia, in effect. And then he looked around. And he saw Key West was in the same shape. Uh, The buildings were old. The houses were old. Everything needed renovation, remodeling, tear it down, rebuild it. So he got bored and he did the same thing here. The first place he worked on was Sloppy Joe's, the original Sloppy Joe's on Green Street today, Captain Tony's. 
he went in there and he renovated the place and then he sold it. All right. Uh, and he started that way and he started doing the town over, remodeling this, remodeling that, doing a lot of remodeling on Duval Street. It's 1967. The golf side of Duval Street, where the pier house is today and the Ocean Key Resort, was terrible. It was nothing but a mud lot. And David looked at it and says, I can do something with this. And because he thought Key West needed something. Make a long story short, he built the pier house on that location. What is today the pier house was built by David Walkowski in 1967. He started with a 50-unit motel. Business was so good that two years later he put on another 50 units. Now it was no longer a motel. It became the pier house hotel. And after that, he built what you see today. Uh, and built it and built it and uh, subsequently sold it for close to $100 million. Uh, smart man. In the meantime, he did a lot of things in town. Jimmy Buffett. He met Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett came up here out of the Caribbean someplace. Young guy, a uh, bit of an alcoholic, uh, played a guitar, sang, wrote tunes. They hit it off. He liked the way Jimmy Buffett sang. He liked him. He liked the kid, as he put it. And he gave Jimmy Buffett a job, no pay in the chart room. The chart room I love so much, the chart room I go to almost every night to begin my evening where I enjoy a drink or two with local friends, the chart room where I meet tourists. Uh, that chart room today is the same as it was in 67 when Buffett built it. And he gave Jimmy, not Buffett, rather, David. And he gave Buffett his first job in the corner there, playing guitar and singing four tips. Eventually, he saw that this Jimmy Buffett had something going for him, so he started paying him. Today, Jimmy Buffett will tell you that David Wolkowski was the first person to pay him for singing. Amazing, isn't it? They became even better friends. These two men ended up buying properties not only in Key West, because David remodeled all of the Wall Street and everything else. They went in business together. They bought properties worldwide, Jimmy Buffett and David Wolkowski, excellent friends. Uh, while David was here, he, he, he decided he wanted his home, another home. He's got about three in, uh, two in town right now. He's actually got three in the keys here. And he went to Ballast Key, eight and a half miles off the Gulf, on the Gulf side off the coast of Key West, eight and a half miles out. There's a little key, a little island sitting all alone. You can't see another key from it. And on Ballast Key, he built a home, a magnificent home, a huge home. Now, you have to understand how long it took to do this and how hard. It's eight and a half miles out. He had to bring electricity. He had to bring water. He had to bring everything. And he had to bring his, his workers, and he had to feed his workers, etc. And to Ballast Key was an honor to be invited to Ballast Key. Uh, and he, he brought the best the world could provide uh, because he was trying to show off Key West all the time. He entertained people. And by the way, his menu for entertainment was always, I hope you're not bored with me sharing this with you, because the man is worthy of being shared. He entertained in the same fashion in Balaski. This man, who had so much money he could buy the world, he would serve turkey hot dogs, potato chips, and champagne. That was the menu every time, turkey hot dogs, potato chips, and champagne. And he entertained there and served people like the British, British Prime Minister Ed Heath, several of the Rockefellers, the Mellons, okay, uh, and the Vanderbilts. Big stuff. This guy was big stuff. And 
Hollywood entertainers like uh, Truman Capote spent a whole season there and wrote a book. Uh, not at Ballast Key, but at the Pier House, the original Pier House Motel. Uh, a good man, and he did good in this community for a lot of people, gave to a lot of charities. Everyone knows him. Everyone loves him. He is known, again, as the father of Mr. He is Mr. Key West. He's the father of the modern-day Key West. Without David Wolfkowski and his vision, the Key West that we all know would not be here today. Uh, it wouldn't be nowhere close to what it is today, again, because of David Wolkowski. I, uh, I've got to say it this way. The man's gone. I'm sad he's gone. I'm tremendously sad he's gone. But I was going to say, if he's Jewish, so I don't know. I can't recall what God the Jews go to, but if he's going to God, God, whatever the God is, he's sitting at God's right hand right now. And, and when God says, I'm going to do this, I can see David right now touching him on the arm and saying, oops, no, why don't you try it this way? God bless you, David. May you rest in peace. Let's move on. Kavanaugh, the candidate for the Supreme Court Justice. Candidate for Supreme Court Justice, Brett Kavanaugh. I think the man does not deserve this seat. Forget the woman thing. He's been caught lying several times, first during his interviews and even now. Uh, Why should a man who lies so flagrantly be one of the top nine judges in the United States? It does not make sense to me. Putting that aside, uh, I suspect he's lying about the women here, and I suspect he's lying about drinking. You know, the drink, he was a teetotaler, uh, and he, he today, I watched him on TV last night. He was interviewed on Fox News. Uh, he never had sex in high school. He never had sex in college. It was sometime thereafter. I find it hard to believe. <laughs> I don't find it hard to believe that he could have been a virgin there that long. There are people that are that way, male and female. Uh, but I find it hard to believe based on the stories. They're going to have the hearing Thursday. It's uh, the 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 Republican side, the judiciary, judiciary Committee, have hired a woman trial lawyer, an expert in sexual crimes, to question both witnesses. They don't have the balls, if you'll excuse me, to question Dr. Ford themselves because they know they're going to end up looking like asses if they do it. You can't do what Biden's Judiciary Committee did uh, with our friend 20-some-odd years ago. So that's what's going to happen. I don't know how this thing's going to look Thursday. It doesn't make any difference. It's a fait accompli already. Uh, what's his name? This, the uh, majority leader in the Senate announced today uh, that the uh, vote, the Senate vote itself, is going to be 10 o'clock Friday morning. They know what the hell they're going to do. I just hope they don't get enough votes in the Senate vote. All they know is, need is two the Democrats to stay firm and two Republicans say no, and Kavanaugh is all done. Uh, he goes back to the circuit court. If he can stay there with the record he's made already, there's a thing called the judicial conference that will examine him with all these things that happen. He may be out of a job there. A terrible happening, but for a man who placed himself in danger's way and harm's way, he knew this shit had to come out, assuming it's true. Uh, but in his greed for that top notch position, he tried, and he may have lost. We're going to find out, or he may not have lost. Now we have two more witnesses. This is what bothers me. We have a Deborah Ramirez who has come up. Uh, she's a little shaky, but she says, he done me. 
uh, or tried to do me. He dropped his pants, and he he passed his pecker in front of my mouth. And there were a bunch of guys. But there's there's another one here. We we got to go to Michael Evanati, the man who seems to be aggravating the hell of Donald out of Donald Trump. Michael says he's got a woman, and I quote: a woman with a credible with credible information regarding Judge Kavanaugh and Mark Judge. Uh, and what occurred was not when they were in high school. Uh, his client and uh, the judge were at a Washington House party. It's the early 1980s, and what was going on that night, and there was a game that Brett Kavanaugh was known to play. They would get the, the young ladies, the young ladies, they were college girls now, they were women. They would get them drunk and drugged, okay? And they set them up while they were in this drowsy state to be gang raped, and it would be called a train. A train is when a bunch of men, one right after another, have sex with a woman. Not all at the same time, one after another, though. And they set her up for a gang rape, and he's got one that says she knows. Now, where the hell is she? No one's saying we're going to produce Deborah Ramirez. No one says we're going to produce Michael Avenatti's people yet. The hearing is Thursday afternoon. It's got to hit tomorrow. There's got to be a delay again. Uh, I don't know what's going on, but they got to bring all of these out. You know, I've been saying, when this thing first came up, where there's one, there's more. In my experience, I found this to be true. You have someone who has a sex crime of some sort and say, you never do it before. Oh, no, I never did. They all did. And then they come out of the woodwork rapidly. Well, we've got two so, so far. But they're not set up to testify, so I don't know how they're going to come into play. They have to testify. You have to know the man. And I believe by the time we get done with... If we ever get to her this, with Michael Avenatti's uh, client, that may be the end of Kavanaugh for the Supreme Court. Uh, because for no other reason, forget that he was a young man and he was anxious to have sex or he was a heavy drinker. What he did was he lied about it. Now, how do you tell the truth with these things? I understand. Look what Clinton did. He lied in effect. Uh, but that's what each individual has to deal with when they've done these things, and now comes a moment of truth later in their lives. Bill Cosby, we're still in sex with women. Oh, my God. Bill Cosby was everyone's father. He was everyone's grandfather. We all loved the Bill Cosby show for years. As you know, he was convicted. Uh, he was convicted of drugging and sexually assaulting a woman 14 years ago. He would drug him, then bang him, and this woman remembered, turned him in several years later, what, 10, 12 years later, and this is the first, there are many cases against him now. They come out of the woodwork, that's my point. And he was sentenced today, based on that conviction, to three to 10 years in jail, three to 10 years in jail. Normally, uh, when you... You advise the court, your attorney advises the court at the time of sentencing that you are going to appeal, and you believe there's a likelihood that the appeal will be successful. Uh, the judge lets the person convicted remain out of jail until the appeal is completed, on bail, of course. The judge denied it in this instance. They marched him out in handcuffs and chains, his hands chained to his feet. Donald Trump our esteemed president, 
Remember, recall, when he was running for president, he said, and I quote, we need a president who isn't a laughingstock to the entire world. I repeat, we need a president who isn't a laughingstock to the entire world. He didn't say it one time. He didn't say it two times. I don't know how many times he said it, but he said it, and he kept saying it. We need a president who is not a laughingstock to the entire world. Well, Donald talk. I'm sorry, Donald Trump spoke yesterday, uh, or today, yesterday, or it's this morning, before the United Nations. You are aware that this week, representatives of every country that belong to the United Nations are in New York City for the annual United Nations meeting. And the leader of each nation gets up and speaks. He says whatever he wants. And Donald Trump spoke. (laughs) Well, they laughed at him. And here's how it all began. I, I mean, this is, you know... They laughed at him. This is the leaders of the entire world laughing at Donald Trump. He opened with, in the first two minutes of of his statement, he opened with, and I quote, in less than two years, my administration has accomplished more than almost any administration in the history of our country. In less than two years, my administration has accomplished more than almost any administration in the history of our country. Now, the whole world knows, as we know, that he's done nothing but bad for our country. Watch out, folks, those of you who support him. The devastation's coming in the next six months economically. Uh, But this man has done bad. He he gave you a a tax break. Other than the 1% to the top 5%, who the hell got a tax break? Tell me, folks. Write to me. Tell me which of you got a tax break, okay? Good luck. Nobody. Uh, It's just that he... uh, he hasn't done much of anything. He's put a conservative on the Supreme Court, and he may very well put another one on. It's going to be a conservative court for 30 years, which is unhealthy. The court should be evenly divided with one swing judge, so it goes back and forth. Justice is blind. It isn't conservative. It isn't liberal. Liberal. Anyhow, they laughed. <laughs> he laughed. He says, thank you. I didn't respect that. Uh, then he said at another point, something he said several months ago that was not well accepted in Germany. He said, Germany is becoming, I quote, totally dependent on Russian energy. Germany is becoming totally dependent on Russian energy. The German delegation laughed out loud. All right. That's because Germany made a deal with Russia to put in a a pipeline. Uh, Russia sells a lot of gas and oil (laughs) to the European nations. Uh, And they aren't dependent. They buy oil from everybody, but they got a new deal to bring some more oil in. But that makes them dependent from his point of view. So our friend made us a laughing stock before the leaders of the other nations of the world, which shows, my friends, the degree of respect that Trump receives from other leaders. Okay, I want to talk about the United States and China and this trade war we've got going. Uh, this tariff war is horrible. Now that they they put new tariffs on at two hundred billion a time, two hundred billion dollars a time. How can any country survive this kind of crap? Uh, in any event, leading economists have announced recently that they believe this trade war between the United States and China could last 20 to 30 years. My God, that's a long time between the two biggest nations in the world, the two most powerful nations in the world. They're going to kill each other economically because the same economist said to the detriment of both nations, to the detriment of both nations. Uh, 
it's thought that Steve Bannon, remember Steve Bannon, was the influence on Trump with regard to how he's handling China. Bannon boasted that Trump was bound to conduct a, and I quote, sophisticated form of economic warfare to confront China. Bannon said he's got to go with a sophisticated form of economic warfare to confront China. What the hell are these tariffs that Trump started but economic warfare, okay? And Bannon's theory, which Trump seems to have adopted, was that there is a logic underpinning the warfare because if you squeeze the Chinese economy hard enough, Beijing will, supply, will submit and play by the rules. If you squeeze China's, the Chinese economy hard enough, Beijing will submit and play by the rules. China today tells us, we ain't going to negotiate with you people. You've got the knife to our throat. You never negotiate when someone has a knife to your throat. China will hurt first and more greatly initially than the United States. Both will hurt big time in the end. Because China, even though they're communistic, have been running a capitalistic society the last 20, 30 years. That's how they got so rich. Uh, they call themselves communists, but they operate uh, in the money field uh, as capitalists. <coughs> and, excuse me, <coughs> excuse me again. And uh, they're sort of overfinanced. And they're close to being in trouble economically. This thing is not helping them. Uh, and the first one to feel the pinch badly will be China. Now, I do not agree with the economists who say this could go on for 20 or 30 years because I don't believe the Chinese will permit this thing to go on for 20 or 30 years. I think the resolution will not. This is now economic warfare. This will be resolved. If it's not resolved very, very soon at a negotiating table, it's going to be resolved with a military war. And why do I say this? China, in the last six years, for whatever reason, has built themselves up militarily. They have constructed 350 new naval vessels, 350. These are the most sophisticated in the world. Missile power, nuclear weapons, everything. They can do everything. they got new aircraft carriers, destroyers. They've got submarines, all with missile capacity. They have built islands in the last two or three years in Asian waters where nothing existed but water. They went in and they created islands on which they now have airfields, which hold their military planes, which are all new. And they are missile-equipped, and nuclear warheads are involved in all this. And they, they also have on these islands uh, their military itself. And from these islands that have been constructed, and from most of their new naval vessels out in the waters, their missiles with nuclear warheads can reach the United States. Now, the sad thing, there are two sad points here. Number one, the... United States does not have, as yet, a protection against these new nuclear missiles. You know, we've got all these things up there in the sky. We can blow up somebody's missiles just about within seconds of the time they take off. We don't have it for this. We have not developed it yet. If you don't believe me, Google the whole story and read it. Number two, uh, our Navy is nowhere 
in the same shape as the Chinese Navy. They got 350 new naval vessels. We had 550 naval vessels, 200 more. Most of them are old, okay? So they're ahead of us. They're ahead of us with the quality of their Navy. We have the quantity. Also, they have a bigger military than us. Look at all, they got the most people in the world living in China, billions of people. I don't even know what the number is, but they have a huge trained military, bigger in numbers than ours. So what I'm trying to say is this. It is thought that if there were a war today, the United States would win. In two to five years, China probably will win. I don't know. I don't want to go to war at all. But you don't pick on somebody when this type of situation, they're, they're better than us in, in many respects militarily, and they're not going to take this shit that Trump has heaped on them. I go back to this story again. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, it's 1939-1940. China is marching into uh, Manchuria. Tr- Roosevelt says, cut it out, get out of there, you don't belong in Manchuria. China says, up yours, what Truman did. He blockaded certain of the Asiatic islands that were sending oil to Japan. Japan's a bunch of little islands. They cannot survive without importing everything. They needed that oil. They were getting hurt economically, quickly and desperately. So what did they do? Pearl Harbor. That's the reason for World War II. Pearl Harbor. Because Roosevelt squeezed them, not realizing they would retaliate in this fashion. It could happen again here. Talk about hacking. It was 2016. We found out that our presidential election was hacked. Truman refuses to acknowledge it. He refuses to acknowledge it was Russia that did it. We have done nothing in what well, we're in two years. We have done nothing to investigate and correct the hacking and to create a protective system against hacking, not only by Russia, by any nation. And we're going into midterm elections in less than two months. This past week it was announced that certain United States senators have complained that their personal emails are being hacked, and it turns out they're being hacked by Russia and other countries. Personal emails of some senators. Now, let me tell you, we didn't move our ass. Trump was in control. He didn't move his ass because he didn't believe Putin would do this. Uh, The senators didn't move their ass. I don't know why anybody didn't move their ass. It's strange, isn't it? And so we are in jeopardy again of getting an election that may, might not be property. I only regret that I have but one life to give for my country. I only regret that I have but one life to give for my country. Nathan Hale, uh, this month in 1776, Nathan Hale was 21 years old. He was a, a Connecticut school teacher joined the Continental Army during the Revolution, became a captain. George Washington needed him as a spy. He went out and spied. He got caught. He got executed. And he stood on, as he stood on the gallows with a rope around his neck, he said, and I quote, I only regret that I have but one life to give for my country. We learned this in grammar school. May we always, may our children always learn something like this in grammar school. Tiger Woods, God bless Tiger Woods. He won. He finally won a tournament Sunday after five years, more than five years of losing. He's had a tough time. Some of it self-imposed, his romantic life, his personal life, his physical life. This guy's had heavy surgeries, including back fusion, uh, spinal fusion, and he had to work and work and work to come back, and he did come back. We could see it this year. He just got 
better with every and every tournament he played in. He had to win sometime, and he finally won Sunday. Uh, played excellent golf. I mean, it was like the Tiger of old. He had already won 79 tournaments. This was his 80th tour victory. The only person who has won more uh, tournaments than Tiger Woods is Sam Snead, 82. He's even almost 20 uh, tournament wins ahead of Jack Nicklaus, okay? So I just want to say, great thing. I was very impressed as uh, Tiger Woods was coming up the 18th fairway. The crowd burst out onto the fairways behind him, thousands of people. It was like at a basketball game or a football game when your team does something great. Everybody goes out into the field. They were running, running behind him and chanting, Trump, Trump, Trump. I'm Trump, not Trump. Oh, my God, Lewis, what did you say? Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. And USA, USA, USA. Great day for Tiger Woods. God bless him. He deserved it. Florence. Florence, we're still down there. We don't hear about Florence because the hurricane has passed, okay? The tropical storm has passed. Uh, but let me tell you something. I don't think Trump's going to produce down there. I don't think he's got enough money and he didn't plan this thing well. They need shelter now. They need water. They need food. They need ice. They need cots. They need blankets. They need toilets. I know. I went through one down here. Uh, and we know from Katrina, FEMA's not ready. This is too big. They're all too big. I want to see if he produces. I don't believe he will. That's the show for tonight. Yes, I don't believe Donald Trump is a good president. We don't have to argue the point. Uh, I thank you for joining me again. I love doing the show, and I love that you listen to me every week. My numbers go up. You can tell from the tone of my voice how excited I get. Uh, and it's just nice to chat with you. Again, thank you for joining me tonight. I look forward to being with you again next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.